As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's get spooky. I lived in a haunted house by Sadie Sunho. I actually have a lot of ghost experiences, but for now, I'll talk about the year I lived in a haunted house. I was 12, and my family had just moved us to a place called Kennewick, Washington. We were renting a one-story house from an older couple. My cousins, who I was super close with, helped us move in and stayed the night with us our first couple of nights. Weird stuff started the very first night. For one, the guest room had a really weird vibe that nobody cared for, so they decided to sleep in the living room. I recall hearing knocking in the walls disturbing me from sleeping well. We all asked each other who was doing it in the morning, parents included, but none of us took responsibility. Another thing that would happen every night that I was sleeping, my closet doors would open. No matter which house I've lived in, I've needed the closet closed to sleep. I got so scared waking up to see my closet doors completely open that I once tied a chain around the handles to keep the doors closed. I woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of the chain hitting the ground. I watched my closet doors open completely right before my eyes. I was so frozen in fear I could not move. I could barely breathe, and I somehow fell back asleep that way. After that, I accepted that those doors would remain open. Also, every morning that I woke up for school and walked down the hallway, it would feel like someone rushed out of the guest room and followed me down the hall right on my heels. I would sit down on a chair in the living room and feel whatever it was go past me and into our kitchen. Eventually, I got used to it, as weird as it sounds. When you live in a haunted house, you have no choice but to get used to what is happening around you. One night, I had a girlfriend sleep over. We had a great time eating pizza and staying up late watching movies. 
It was about 2 a.m. when we finally turned off the lights and settled down on the floor in the living room. The curtains to the sliding glass door we were next to were open, and it was a bright moon that night so we could easily see into my backyard and the details of it without issue. Just as it got quiet, I randomly said out loud, Oh, by the way, this house is haunted. She says, What? And just then, three incredibly loud knocks hit the back window. We both looked outside and there was absolutely nothing there. No wind at all, even. She burst into tears and I had to calm her down by letting her know that nothing else would probably happen that night. And if I can live there and be okay, she will be just fine. I'm honestly surprised she didn't demand to be taken home. I always enjoyed the ghost's timing on that one. Some other things happened in that house, like stuff getting knocked off the shelves, feeling genuinely uncomfortable to be there alone even during the day, etc. We lived there less than two years, and I'm glad. Insanity An anonymous creepypasta Have you ever loved someone so much that you just know it will work? That happened to me, except it didn't work. When I first saw her, I predicted that we would be friends. And we were. Although I never knew that she actually had feelings for me. A couple of months passed and something happened. I couldn't stop thinking about her. One of my close friends, Elle, kept telling me things that she was saying when I wasn't around. I was intrigued. And then, in love... The week of nervousness and anxiety kicked in, and I kept telling myself, Today I'll ask. But I kept putting it off until Friday. Well, not exactly putting it off. We had rehearsals every day for a GCSE drama, so we were both quite busy. On that Friday, I got around to asking her. She told me that she used to have feelings for me, but had moved on. She still wanted to be friends, really good friends, of course. Then I broke. I thought about her in my every waking moment and in my sleep. I sometimes even shed a tear over the lost opportunity that still seemed wide open. Our love was broken. We loved at different times. Every day and night I tried to calm myself with music, mostly the ones that cheered me up when my best friend hated me, but that was different. Every day I'd get home from school, I would see her online on Facebook, but the demon tells me not to speak to her. My room would start to melt whenever I heard her name or spoke of her with an even closer friend. My relatives of old would speak to me from heaven, telling me to move on and to be stronger. But how could I be strong when I am talking to dead relatives? I had an appointment with the Master of Insanity in my nightmare, and he said that I was very far from sane. I still loved her. I wanted to be with her until death, but her and the others are long gone from my reach. 
I sat in my bedroom. The day outside was gray and there was a thick layer of dust everywhere. I hadn't been at school for a long time and neither had they. I don't remember most of them. I don't remember how old I am or the name of the village I live in. My name means nothing. I hadn't heard from my friend G in three years. The house, if you could still call it a house, was desolate, except for a table. A table and a pill. Not the others I was taking, which I ran out of over two years ago. One single cyanide pill. I took it. My heart stopped. My vision blurred for what seemed like forever. I woke up in my bed. Everything was how it was before I asked. I went downstairs and saw them, my grandparents, the ones I had wanted to meet the most, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I saw her, as beautiful as she was the day I asked. She told me that all of my friends died in some kind of car wreck. They were all there, L, G, everyone, even my sister and parents. I realized at last I was home and free. The lights went out. The room around me was nothingness. Something was wrong. Only the bones remained of the ones I love. I love nobody. That girl means nothing to me now. All anyone would do to me was neglect me, shout at me, hurt me, sometimes, in every way, until I just snapped. All I ever wanted was love. The rats scurrying around in the pools of my and others' blood were good company, also made for a half-decent meal if I was really hungry. Then one day, it was all screaming, screaming and screaming. All of them were supposed to stay how I left them, dead, but I quickly found out you could not kill what was already deceased. And when they came for me, banging on the door, a cacophony of moans and shouts and cries of anguish, enough. I tried everything to get away, cyanide, slitting my wrists, hanging myself. I had tried in every way, but all I could feel was immense pain of the death, only to wake up where I started, alive, so sadly, alive. Nothing can live without a brain, not even me. I picked up my old rusty knife and stabbed it into my right eye and dug deep until a huge gaping hole was on one side. It was as if I was watching myself do it. I could see my hand reaching up to the hole in my face. I could see my overgrown fingernails clawing away a tissue until at last I reached my brain, my fucked up mind. There was no brain. With my remaining eye, I looked into a broken mirror. Fog. A pale blue fog filled my head. No wonder it was so easy to get through. I saw no skull. The pale blue fog seeped out of the hole in my face and engulfed the room. I blacked out. When I awoke, it was as if nothing had ever happened except the wound stayed. Not the whole wound but it was as if the chunk in my face I'd ripped out was simply sewn back into my head. With full vision intact, I walked over to my broken mirror to see that my face was better apart from a line of stitches. 
I woke up the next day covered in scars. Could have been anything. Rats clawing myself in my sleep. Anything. I could feel something leaking from my eyes. Not tears. Not blood. But the pale blue fog that was in my head. Coming out of my eyes and settling in front of me. It formed some kind of puddle. Then formed something I hadn't seen in a long time. A person. Whether I was hallucinating or not, I didn't care. It was someone else to kill, but I didn't want to kill it. I wanted it to help me. It stepped over to me and put a hand on my shoulder. It spoke. All this started because one person put you down. That's not true. It was everyone. All my friends left me. My family knew nothing about me. Acting happy was hard. That was no reason to live like this. Your old house. You haven't changed clothes in God knows how long. You try to kill any living thing you see. I can stop that. Can you kill me? Yes, but I won't do that. I can send you back, though. Before everything, and then you'll know not to do it. Let me do this. Do it. I blacked out and woke up in my home, my real home. I looked at the date, 2013, the year I asked. My mother came in shouting at me to get up or I'll be late for school. I arrived at school. I don't remember anything about it or who my friends are. I do remember her. There was a crowd gathered in a circle, teachers trying to calm everyone. I tried to catch a glimpse of what it was and it was her, impaled on a javelin. I ran. I ran out to the field, ran to the caretaker's shed, and cried. The pale blue fog came towards me. I saved you. Why are you crying? She was my friend. You killed her. <laughs> so very pathetic. I thought I might as well do the same to you, but I won't. I'll let you live with this, knowing it's your fault. And no, you still can't die. Sweet dreams. And I was left alone, crying and crying. Seventy-six Victoria Street West, a creepypasta. Isn't it strange how small towns seem to attract ghosts? Well, perhaps that's not the case. Maybe big cities have just as many, if not more, ghosts around. But it's only in small towns where people speak enough to each other that such tales are able to work their way around. Alliston, Ontario, Canada, is a small but lovely town. There's a lot of history there, from a small section of railroad tracks dating from the time the town was founded, over 100 years ago, to a museum that has records of just about every house in the area. If you ask some of the locals, they might tell you tales about certain houses. Little odd tales. For example, there's one house with a servant staircase that was boarded up years ago because a man hung himself in there after his son went crazy. They had to board up the staircase because people using it kept seeing him there, swinging from the ceiling. Another story tells of one house where a rocking chair on the back porch rocks by itself, sometimes with a spectral old woman sitting there. 
As locals might tell you, when the people who lived in the house tried to dig up the ground behind the house to build that porch, they found bones. They thought they were the bones of someone's pet, until they found old, worn, eaten clothes nearby. Then there's a house that once held the first veterinary clinic in the town. What is currently used as a shed used to be the building where the operations were performed. They say that animal ghosts can be seen and heard around there, dogs and cats and the like. Some locals might even claim their own homes to be haunted, just little things they can't explain, objects appearing or disappearing, or relocating without anyone around, children's fingerprints appearing on mirrors despite no children living in the house. A shower curtain that moved when no one else was behind it. A ghostly whisper or footsteps heard when no one knows oneself to be alone. That one chest of drawers that came with the house that one day was discovered to have the word or the name Grace written 100 times on the wood underneath one of the drawers. Sometimes, however, there was no particular tale to a place There will be a house or a building that simply looks abandoned, and when you ask a local, they will only say, it's been like that for a long time. They don't know if anyone has ever lived there, but there surely isn't anyone living there now. And yet, in such a lovely, charming, happy town as Alliston, why would there be that random, empty house sitting between two with thriving families? What's more, if it really has been abandoned so long, how is it in such a town where everyone speaks so openly? How is it in this town no one knows why the building has been abandoned so long? In some ways, this lack of knowledge makes the journey past such buildings more unnerving as the mind begins to come up with its own explanations. And it is possible that all of these explanations are still far from the real reasons why no one has even bothered advertising the empty house for sale. Many people choose to go to the Allison Museum to ask about houses before they purchase them, just to learn of any history that the realtor might not have mentioned. 76 Victoria West is not a house, Rather, it is a space reserved for a possible store from strips of stores in what is akin to a downtown area for Alliston. In such places, stores may come and go regularly, and surely there isn't much reason why 76 Victoria Street West should be any different, as it isn't that much bigger or smaller than any of the others in that strip of stores in Alliston. Ontario, that come and go with the wind. Unlike other empty spaces in this strip, there is no sign on it or any advertisement anywhere stating that the space is available for rent, and for as long as anyone can remember, even as other stores have come and gone, that store has remained completely empty. Nobody seems to know why.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.